Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Mustitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, this is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. And in other episodes, we'll talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting individual, we'll try to get them to be a guest on the show. You know, before we dive into this episode, Mike, I want to say a special thank you to our supporters. Several listeners have made a monthly financial contribution to support the podcast to help defray the cost of producing these episodes. And we now have a Patreon page, so you so you can support the podcast as well. Just go to patreon.com forward slash sailing the east. And thanks again to all of our supporters. Agreed. Now, so Mike, as you can see in the background, I'm on the boat. Exactly, Bela. It's always nice to see you on the boat. It's always nice to feel like I'm, you know, there in the uh on the boat with you, even though I'm I'm you know a thousand miles away in, in Germany. But it looks a little chilly there. What's the what's the weather? Let's start there. Yeah, it is chilly. This is the first week in May. Uh, today's date, as we record this, is May 4th. Uh, the boat was uh, splashed, as they say in the, in the industry, on uh, May the 2nd. So, uh, so we put in the water, and I came out yesterday. And it's uh, yesterday, I got here about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was sort of drizzly and cool. Um, and today it's the same, a little drizzly, a little cool. It's 44 degrees here, Mike, with a north wind. Uh, and that is chilly. Sorry. It's, uh, let me see, converting to Fahrenheit. It's about 70 degrees and sunny here in Munster. So I'll send some <laughs> sunshine and some warm breezes your way, but, but great. So what was the, the, the boats in the water you got on any surprises? Uh, no, no, I, I will say I have a, a little portable heater with me that I bring at this time of year <laughs> and, nice. uh, and my sleeping bag. So uh, I had a nice, cozy, comfortable night last night. It was quite nice. Uh, yeah. So uh, what I have to do when I when it gets put in the water is the first thing I work on is the water system. Everything needs to be winterized, of course. So I in the fall, I pump, uh, you know, a, a antifreeze a, a particular type of antifreeze that that you can use in water uh, typically used on rvs to winterize rvs it's the same stuff and uh, i pump that through the whole water system so i have it in the whole i have it in the water tanks and all the lines because it does freeze here and i don't want anything to freeze so that's the first big task of uh getting all of that out of the system which requires uh uh, pumping it out as best I can. And then I take, I have three water tanks on this boat. So this boat holds about 160 gallons of water in three separate tanks. So, you know, I, I would a gardener hose. I put uh, three or four gallons into each tank. I pump those, uh, out 
And then I repeat that uh, two or three times to kind of try to rinse everything out of there I can. And uh, and then I have to turn on all the faucets and you know make sure all of the antifreeze is out of there. This antifreeze is human friendly, human and animal friendly. It's not the kind you put in your car that'll kill you. Um, this is an RV antifreeze that's made with a different F glycol something or other. Uh, but still, it has this little bit of a weird taste, and uh, we get it out of the water. We don't drink the water from the holding tanks on the boat, uh, but we do shower with it, um, and we drink bottled water that we bring uh, or run over to my son's house and fill up jugs of water. Or I can fill them up here at the marina uh, so we don't drink the water that's in the holding tanks. But either way, so that's the first big job. I got that done, um, so that's all good. and. Uh, next, I got to sort of do a big spring cleaning on the boat because, you know, it sat for five months and things are dusty and grimy. It sits in a dirty boat yard. I do have it covered, but it's amazing. You know, stuff still gets a little dirty. So I got to do some vacuuming and some wiping down of the surfaces. So that's what's on store for today. Okay. And you have any help or you you flying solo on this all the way? Your son going to oh, come help? Yeah. Or your wife, you said your wife didn't come. You you came on alone, yeah? Yeah, I'm solo. I usually do this solo. Uh, Andy's working. Uh, so uh, I did have dinner with them last night. Uh, he worked uh, the night before he worked overnight. So mm. meaning, you know, he goes into work like at nine o'clock at night and comes home at seven in the morning. So uh, he was not real functional yesterday, uh, but he's back to work today and tomorrow. So I'll be doing it solo, but this is, this is that kind of work. It's fine to do it solo. Okay. You know? Another person doesn't hands. make it go twice as fast. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So, is the yeah, weather, so, is the weather supposed to turn a little better? Or is this what you got for the next few days? No, the weather's supposed to get better. Uh, it's supposed to get nicer this afternoon and then start warming up. I'll probably be here till Saturday or Sunday couple of other things I have to do. I need to start up the engine, uh, you know, because that's also winterized. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got to pump the antifreeze out of that, uh, make sure that's all running well. Uh, do the same with the generator. And um, that's about it. And then I might even, uh, if it's nice uh, Saturday or Sunday, I might take her out for a little solo sale. Nice. That'd yeah. be awesome. Good. Yeah, yeah would be. Yeah. All right, so let's focus uh, on today's guest. So we have a familiar face to our regular listeners. And um, Bela, if my memory is correct, Mike was a uh, Mike Belikoff was a guest back in episode I think sixty six, and then a two parter seventy two and seventy three, and we followed his adventures um, leaving Lake Champlain seventy seven and seventy eight, um, and he started right up up not too far from where you're sitting, right in Lake Champlain. And he went, his goal was making it all the way to the Bahamas. And yeah. in each of these episodes along the way, we've kind of plotted through his planning process and the departure and halfway and crossing uh, once you get to Florida. And, and now he's there. Um, this is really, to, to me, I think this is a really cool kind of recurring theme in the podcast. And it's, it's, it's really neat to kind of hear the whole story, um, better and worse, um, of, of his trip. Yeah, I think it's a nice little sort of, theme that you know you can follow along and I, I feel like i'm i'm part of part of his trip even though i'm not so uh, w this one was also a, a longer conversation so broke it into two parts 
So this episode number 81 and the next episode 82 uh, will be uh, both with Mike. So let's dive right in. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hey, love. Nice seeing you again. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. So I think the last time we chatted, you had recently arrived in the Bahamas from your epic journey starting up in Lake Champlain, <laughs> uh, which is up in Vermont, New York border, down the Hudson River, down the east coast of the United States, down to Florida, head due east to the Bahamas. And that was the last time we chatted. So uh, how long have you been in the Bahamas now? Um, I want to say we've been four to five weeks, give or take. So, uh, but I'd like to name this episode, which is called Fixing oh, okay. Your Boat in Exotic Places. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think that's a, that's a title that uh, many have, uh, have uh, come to realize. <laughs> yeah. But yes, hey, listen, I've pain, it's, painfully it's, it's it's better than fixing your boat in Barrington, Rhode Island. <laughs> I I guess that that that's true, but it does come with its own unique features uh, of of uh, doing it uh, in the Bahamas. So I will say it is still seventy five eighty degrees. So you're not working on your boat with gloves and ski hat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've been there uh, four weeks or so. Uh, and I want to talk about the boat uh, a little further on in the in the podcast here. But t tell me, tell me uh, what things have uh, been better than you expected. What things have been better? Yeah. Um, I, I would say. Uh, just the experience uh, has has been uh, defi definitely um, it's a journey. I'll call it. It's not a vacation. And uh, um, I think I've mentioned this and I've probably mentioned it too many times, but I think uh, meeting the people that you meet along the way uh, has been probably you know, one of the highlights, I should say, could say the highlight, but we've made so many new friends and the other uh, character that that I think goes through what I'll call the cruising community is everybody is willing to help you because everybody sooner or later is going to need help. <laughs> so it, it's it, it's been really nice in that respect that if you do have questions or issues, or even parts. Uh, people, you know, people will immediately say, "Hey, I've got one of those," and I, you know, I, I can give you a spare. So, in, in that respect, it's just been really nice meeting people. And I think part of it is that you're brought together in a camaraderie, all doing the same thing. Uh, so, so immediately you have a common topic to talk about, which is. You know, where did you come from? What was it like? How were the seas? What was the weather like? Uh, uh, were you able to get a slip? How was the more, you know, and I can go on through the uh, 50 questions yeah. uh, that people bring up and bingo, you've got uh, something to uh, uh, chat about. But um, 
I guess going back to what I was saying is uh, when we did speak last, we were crossing over the Gulf Stream. We uh, crossed over into Bimini, uh, the first island, which is about 45, 50 miles from the coast of Florida. And then from Bimini, in a day or two, we had such good weather. We then crossed over another 60 or 70 miles into the Berry Islands. Um, and we were in the northern part of the Berry Islands. It's a fairly remote uh, set of islands uh, in the Bahamas. And when I spoke with you, we were in Great Harbor Key Marina. And at the time, I was trying to talk to you, and I had to limit it because I was using my phone and I was connected to some other boat's Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> because yeah. one of the things I think I mentioned to you that we did have a lot of problems with is Starlink. And I've talked about the enormous benefits of Starlink, but the downside is Starlink does not have customer service. It's almost non-existent. And, you know, fortunately my wife, who is a tech person, it took her a good week to 10 days, almost two weeks to sort through it and to be able to get to somebody that could help us with, with, with what turned out to be a minuscule problem. Mm -hmm. that it didn't have anything to do with the equipment or anything like that. It was simply we were changing, uh, correcting a name in, in our uh, address thing. And it just shut the system down. Anyway, we've it's been fixed and we're doing it. It's working. I'm using it right now. Um, and uh, uh, but we've run into other people with the same problem. All of a sudden, the system stops. And. You have, you know, what do you do? And you basically go on their system, you put a ticket in, and you get a robo response, and then you wait and wait and wait. Anyway, uh, so we were in the berries when I spoke with you uh, that time in the northern part, and since then we left there, uh, we went south into the Berry Islands, and we were at a place called Chub Key uh, for about two weeks or so. And then from there, we crossed over part of, you know, the middle part, what they call the tongue of the uh, Bahamas. And we right now are in the Eleutheras and we're in a place called Spanish Wells, with it, which is the northern part of uh, the Eleuthera Islands. And uh, uh, so we've been here about a week uh, or so. And uh, um yeah, it, it, some of the experiences have been just fantastic. Uh, I think I mentioned to you the water, the color of the water. Uh, you know, the Bahamas sit on a shelf. So the water throughout the Bahamas, for the most part, is 10 to 12, 15 feet deep for miles. So it, it basically, as they say, creates a washing effect that when the tide goes out and then comes back in, all the water leaves, so to speak and new water is flushed back in. So you just literally have absolutely crystal clear water uh, in the Bahamas, which makes it great for, well, swimming, because it's always 75, 80 degrees and the water's warm, but snorkeling, uh, fishing, all of that is, is you know, second to none uh, because of the sea life and you feel like you're in an aquarium when you're, yeah. when you're swimming, so. Super, super. Sounds wonderful. Sounds sounds very very nice. It's 
it, it is. And uh, uh, but I, I then go back to what I originally started. You know, I've been thinking about this and talking to you about how we had set this goal or, or destination thing three years ago that we wanted to spend the winter in the Bahamas. And we're here. We're spending the winter in the Bahamas. Um, and uh, as much as I love other people to do what we're doing, I now recognize the amount of work is is just uh, enormous. And and one of the things you would ask me when we just got here, you said, what is it that you didn't bring or that you needed that you didn't? And at that time, um, I didn't have anything. I have a laundry list now. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> And, and and I'll tell I'll tell you why I have I shouldn't say a laundry list but I do have a list. One of the things that I have learned, and they didn't teach me this in sailing class when I was learning about winches and and sail trim and all of that, um, is is that when we crossed over into the Bahamas, is. We don't. I, I I don't want to get off on another tangent. We as Americans have no idea how good we have it mm. in the United States. Everything you need is there at your fingertips. Um, and traveling down from Vermont, we came down on the intercoastal, we were outside, but we were always able to go back inside, go to a marina and, oh, let's see, I need a little part, whatever it might be. I need a clamp. I need a U-bolt. Oh, okay. I'll run over to Home Depot. I go over to Home Depot. I get it, bring it back, fix it, put it in, and I'm done. Or with Amazon, uh, you can ship things and have it the next day. As a matter of fact, I forgot to mention this to you. I think when we're still in the States, my wife figured this out. Amazon now has lockers available. Yes. And so a lot of times you have stuff shipped to marinas, which can be problematic. Uh, getting mixed up or lost or whatever, but uh, we've or they won't ex won't be you can't ship to a marina. Well, they have lockers everywhere, and they're outside in a lot of cases. They're in stores, and you ship it to a locker. My wife goes up with her uh, smartphone. You put it next to the locker. It pops open, and bingo, and you have it. So you know. Being in the U.S., you get so used to being able to get anything at any time yeah. at a good price. As soon as we crossed over, you've left the United States and you're in a new world. And I've told you the, the clear waters, the beautiful weather is, is just second to none. But the services are non-existent. And it's a real eye-opening experience that... Um, literally, uh, you know, we need a part right now. We need something and we have to figure out how do we get it here? Yeah. Um, there are no home depots. There's, you know, no hardware stores. Uh, there's virtually nothing. And that includes people to work on your boat. Yeah. So you learn very quickly that you do it or you have somebody help you because there just isn't anybody. Yes. And uh, uh, and that and that was that is a, was eye opening to us 
as we have struggled with some things and we have watched others struggle yeah. uh, with the same thing. You know, as as you were saying that, it reminded me of one of the YouTube sailing channels uh, I, I watch on occasion. Uh, they're down there in, in the Caribbean uh, and the Bahamas. And I noticed that like every week or every other week, they would have someone come visit them from the States. And, you know, this person would come for a week and then they would leave. And then a few days later, someone else would come. And every time a new person came to visit, they always brought stuff with them that they needed. <laughs> so that was don't, their delivery service, right? You're, you're, don't let that secret out. That's why people have people visit them. Yes, they exactly. have them bring stuff. Exactly. It's all about delivery. It's like, no, no, I, they don't want to sail with you. They need these parts and they need you to stop and pick this up at West Marine or wherever and then bring it over. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's ex exactly it. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the boat next to us is uh, going back to Nassau to pick up people. And one of the things is they're bringing stuff yes. uh, with them. So, uh, yeah, that's that's one way to do it. Uh, is invite people because then they can do your shopping yes. and bring it with them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, because it is. It's you're, you know, as close as we are to the United States, it's so remote here. And, and you know, and the people are very nice here. They, they will try to help you, you know, where they can. But it is interesting, you know, when you ask and say, you know, do you know of somebody that does X, Y, Z. And it's yeah. like, no, it's not like talk to Joe or, uh, well, as a matter of fact, a, a couple that we have met who is having big engine problems on their Yanmar diesel here, they're here. They got towed in to Spanish Wells. The guy that is the di diesel mechanic here runs the power station that provides the power to the island. And if you want his help, you have to provide the tools. Uh, you know, and, you know, he may come over today or tomorrow. Right. Uh, right. It's it's that type of uh, that type of situation. But yeah. um, uh, so so anyway, it, it is it, it is interesting. And it's the same with what stores are available. Are they open or even as simple as in the Berry Islands, the grocery stores um, just uh, is eye-opening that they get a shipment once a week from a boat that brings the supplies over to the island. And generally you go the next day to see what they may have that you're interested in, in buying. Uh, meats are incredibly difficult uh, to get. Fortunately, we really stocked up on meats for that, that, that reason. Uh, but even simple things like milk, yeah. orange juice, uh, they may have it. They may not. Um, you know, they in the Berry Islands, they had what I would call the, the very, very basics, a lot of canned goods, you know, because it doesn't go, it doesn't go bad sure. right. uh, that, right. that you can get. But um, it, it, it is it, it is eye opening in terms of uh, the difference uh, between our yeah. society and, and theirs. And in the Berry Islands, uh, these people struggle to make ends meet. Uh, there's no industry 
whatsoever. It's tourism. And uh, they really suffered during pandemic. Sure. Uh, because obviously you couldn't travel then. Um, but um, but it's been it's it's been interesting uh, in terms of us being able to take a couple of day trips uh, where we want. And as I said, the snorkeling diving is just, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been on a couple of reefs and uh, there was one place where the stingrays come right up to you. And check you out. Uh, that uh, my wife really enjoyed that. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it really. Brings a whole nother aspect into planning a trip like this or even planning a trip to even more remote places. I mean, people think about the weather, they think talk about the route, they think about how deep the water is, all those types of things, but that's just part of it. And it reminded me of my, my son and his wife uh, hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, mm. which is a trail on the west coast of the United States, not yes. the west coast, but the western part of the United States that starts at the Mexican border right. and ends at the Canadian border, and it Correct. basically goes up through the desert and up to the, the, the Rocky Mountains and the, and the Cascades. And we were their shipping department, so they had their whole, all of their food planned out for the whole trip. and. Right. You know, they would they would text us or say, "Okay, mail this package on this date to this post office or or to this, you know, place that would accept packages." You know, their Amazon locker, in essence, <laughs> right. because it it not only was planning your route, but all the food, the clothes they needed, and they needed different clothes. When they're in the mountains, they needed warm clothing. When they were in the desert, <laughs> they needed different clothing. So, it it really. I think it's one of those things that people don't talk about a lot when they're sailing, that this notion of you really have to be self-sufficient and, and you have to be prepared, not just from the point of view of not of planning your route and, and having all the weather services and route planning things and, you know, maybe some spares for your boat, but there's, there's all sorts of stuff that, that you really have to think about. Yeah. And, and I would say that's probably the thing that, is eye-opening to us now is coming to recognize that. So when you said before, what didn't you bring? Yeah. And I said, oh, I think we were covered. Um, one of the things as basic, basic as it seems is you need to look at the stuff that can wear out or break on your boat and you better buy two or three of those items that you have on your boat. And then the other, other thing is hopefully somebody else will have maybe those things that you might not have yeah. considered uh, because you're faced with, again, like you were joking, getting it over here and it's not easy. It takes a week to 10 days to two weeks at a huge price because it has to be flown here. Right. right. So it's got to be and there, there are services that do it. And my wife is just looking at something that we need and it's going to be one hundred and fifty dollars. Right. You know, to right. get it here. And then where do you send it? Because how long is it going to take? So uh, I would say there are a lot of items now that I recognize that heavy wear and tear that you need to have a backup uh, just in case. Yeah. So l let's talk about the one that fortunately we've figured out, but nobody talked about this 
when we were learning how to sail, preparing for the course, and you, you'll appreciate this having a very similar boat, is a macerator. And most people go, what's a macerator? Let me tell you, you better have one and it better work and you better have a backup. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because last time you had mentioned that that it wasn't last time we chatted, I think you mentioned that uh, it was on your list to de diagnose because it wasn't working properly. Correct. It it wasn't working properly. And uh I I I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but here is another thing that coming from the US, you take for granted. And you and I have talked about this and we laughed that when your tank, your your black water tank, if people don't know, is where the waste go when you use the bathrooms and stuff. It stays on the boat. You, you know, that's the way it is. And we joked about don't let it get more than half full before pumping out because right. you never know when the pump out might not be working. <laughs> right. But, that's right. But, but one thing you can be sure of in the U.S., you'll find a pump out, you know, Everybody has a pump out for the most part. And in Lake Champlain, you had the pump out and it was free because uh, they didn't want uh, you dumping overboard. We left the United States. We haven't found a pump out yet. Yeah. There aren't any. So you then have to dump or take care of your waste. And a lot of people will cringe over this, but you know, with the United States, you're supposed to be three to five miles offshore uh, before you dump your waste. Uh, there are no rules here in the Bahamas and there is no place to pump out. So that means your system better work because if it doesn't, uh, you're up, you know what, creek, uh, no yes. pun intended. So when we left, we never used our macerator. We were in Vermont. There was you were not allowed. You couldn't do it. And when we came down and we're stopping, like you and I talked about, hey, we get near half full. I'm in a marina. Pump it out. We're all set. So we never thought about it. And we finally tested it off the coast of Florida when we were still coming down and we were offshore. We tested it. It worked. Okay, we're fine. And that was it. Well, when we crossed from Bimini over to the Berry Islands, it clogged for whatever reason. It just ran and stopped and it wasn't emptying out the black water tank. And it's like, you know, what do you do? Well, obviously, it's probably one of the worst things anybody could have to work on yeah. is the black water tank and stuff. Thank goodness we got a recommendation of before you start taking things apart that go under the boat, open the seacock to the black water tank and seal a hose in there and basically give your system an enema, as they yeah. called it. And boy, I'll tell you, knock on wood, the water shot back up, went through the whole system, went through the macerator, which is the pump that chops everything and sends it out. And it went back in the tank and you could hear it in the tank. So it cleared the lines. And as I said, knock on wood, it worked. And we've given that recommendation to two or three other people that had similar problems. 
Yeah, and, I've never heard of that. Yeah, and it's like before you start taking things apart, uh, you know, go in through the seacock. Now, in our situation, which is the funny part of the story, that requires you going in the water. Um, so we were in uh, Great Harbor in the very islands in the marina, which is a big fishing marina. So you had people, the locals that fish coming in and out. They had their catch. They clean a lot of their catch. Mm. They throw it in to the water. And what does that attract? <laughs> very, things, things that most humans don't like all that much. <laughs> yes. And namely, very big bull sharks that are 10 to 12 feet long. And, you know, it's fun to watch because you've got a half a dozen sharks fighting each other for the debris from the fish. But now I know what to do, but who's going in the water? <laughs> right. Well, lo and behold, there are people do odd jobs and everything. And uh, one of the locals uh, nicknamed Fettuccini uh, was very quick to take up and says, oh, I go in all the time with the sharks. And he was this I'd say six foot, six two, two eighty pounds of big guy. And he takes his big spear with him. <laughs> and he said, I'll go in. And he got his mask yeah. and snorkel and in he went. And he says, uh, yeah, if they come by me, I give them a poke. And <laughs> yes. So anyway. Uh, so you, you basically, I'm just trying to understand this. So you basically took a, like a garden hose and, and put it into your seacock and turned it on and, and tried to pressure some water up into your system. One of the things I brought with me, I didn't know why I'd ever need it, but I actually brought from home uh, an attachment onto the garden hose, or you can put on any hose that you can use in your house. And it has a rubber end on it with a small hole in the end. And when you put it into the pipe and you turn the water on, the end expands and seals oh. the pipe. And this small little end shoots this high stream, high pressure water out of it. And for whatever reason, I brought it with me because I said if something with the sink or whatever, I've got something to do this, never thinking to use it in that fashion. And it worked great because when he put it in and you turn the water on it, it quickly expanded sure. and sealed into the seacock. And as I said, it shot the, the water through and it worked great. Now, a friend of ours who wasn't in a marina, he had diving tanks and he contracted something off of one of the air tanks and shot air up yeah. through the seacock. And same thing, it worked and un unclogged his uh, system. So, yeah. uh, so I guess the moral of this story is one of the items is uh, bring an extra macerator because if it does go, you are up the creek. And and fortunately, ours is working just fine right now. Uh, but uh, we have three on our boat. I don't know if you have. Do you have two in your heads? Uh, do you have electric heads? I do. I do. So each head has a macerator in it. And then there's a, a macerator on just above the seacock that empties in into the into the ocean. Correct. And the two for the heads are different. 
than the one for the main system. Right, right. The two for and, the heads are part of the head. Yes, and so they're different macerators, and yes, yeah, so we have we have the same thing. And I already replaced one of those in the head because it was acting up, uh, and uh, that was that's not too bad a job. It's you know not fun, but you're able to clear everything out with water uh, before you get in there, having to take it apart. Yeah, uh, but it's still not fun. So that's one thing we had never considered is the whole thing of, you know, the black water tank and emptying it because there's nowhere to pump out here in the uh, Bahamas. And the sad part is you hear in a lot of the anchorages that where there's 30 or 40 boats, people don't want to have to get up, pull their anchor, go out five miles, turn right. around and come back, that a lot of people just empty it in these harbors. And uh, it's a big debate here in the Bahamas uh, uh, overdoing that. But there's, as I said, there's nowhere to dump the waste. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of these places barely have their own septic systems. Right. So, um, and then that's also the second part is water is a premium uh, here. Uh, again, uh, they have no groundwater. They have to turn seawater into freshwater. And it's not a cheap process. Uh, so we did plan properly. We do have a water maker. I think I might have mentioned we have the uh, Rainman portable one. It's been phenomenal because we sit out and for a couple of hours, we run this thing and bingo, we've got 150 gallons of water. Yeah. But but a lot of people don't. And uh, you have to depend on the water in these marinas. And it's going to be anywhere from 45 to 75 cents a gallon uh, for the water. But you have to be careful. Is the water fresh? Is it you know, is it clean? And you see this all the time with people saying, hey, don't take water from this place because yeah. it's contaminated. And we put it in our water tanks and, you know, now we've got to empty them, clean them, you know, and it goes on and on. So we, you know, we have not taken any on any of our what I'll call drinking water on the boat from that. And and as I said, we know a couple that they've had engine problems. They have a water maker, but they can't go out to make water. So they're running to the stores buying jugs of water yeah. you know, for, for drinking and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's sort of all of these technical issues that was not in sailing school. <laughs> right. Not in sailing school at all. Bela, it's it's just amazing the adventure that Mike and his wife are on. I mean, again, I learned a lot from this episode. Some of them from his mistakes, right, and and some of uh, from the successes that he's had. I don't know where do you, where do you want to start from a sailing perspective? You know, there's there's sort of been one common theme that I think he has said in every one of the episodes uh, once they departed, and that is that taking sailing courses doesn't teach you everything you need to know. Uh, there's a lot more involved in sort of particularly the type of sailing they're doing. I mean, they're living on the boat, right? They're, they're gone for months at months and, uh, not like going out sailing for two or three hours. So I think, I think that's a, a real takeaway for me 
you know, don't don't be overconfident. Sailing courses will tell you all the stuff you need to do about safety and how to sail the boat. But living on a boat has all these other other things, uh, you know, like food. <laughs> you know, how are you going to get food? That means you got to stop someplace. You got to get a car you got, or you got to stop someplace. There was a grocery store within walking distance. So there's a lot of those kind of logistics things involved uh, and planning. And if you like doing that stuff, this is great. This is a, a great hobby uh, because there is a lot of planning involved, uh, just getting food and water and all the things that we take for granted when you're living at home, right? You just hop in the car or you walk down to the corner grocery store, you get what you need and you're done. And this is a lot different. Yeah. Let me drill down on this water thing because I was really surprised at this kind of getting fresh water onto the boat, getting the used water off of the boat, mm. right? Um you know, again, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, your experiences in the Northeast, right? And it seems like, you know, you get outside the U.S., um, there's a big difference. Is this, you know, a regional difference that just, okay, you go into the Caribbean or you go to the Bahamas and it, it, the, the rules are different? Or are there parts in the U.S. that have some challenges to get fresh water in and dirty water out? What's, what's your experience? Yeah, so uh, I think... Drinking water, fresh water, uh, is pretty easy to get almost any place in the United States. And every marina I've ever been at has a spigot that, you know, with the garden hose and you can fill up your boat and it's free. They don't charge you for it. I've, I've never been in a place where, where, they, where they charge you for water. Um, and I think once you get outside the United States, that's different. And you really had to think about where, where, Mike is. He's he's on an island. They they don't have any fresh water. There's no naturally occurring fresh water. There's no lakes and streams and there's no wells you can drill because everything is freaking sand. You know, they're basically on a on a sand dune, you know, 75 miles off the coast of Miami. And so they have to make their own water. They have to, you know, typically do uh what is it called? Desalinization, I think is the mm -hmm. process or one of the processes for taking seawater, taking the salt out of it and making it into fresh water. It's an expensive process. So down there, they charge you for water and it can be pretty expensive. Now, one of the options for boats uh, is you can get your a water maker. So they have little mini desalinization systems that you can buy. There's several thousand dollars, they're, they're not cheap. Um, they take a fair amount of power um, and you can and you can make a, a, a goodly amount of water. Some of the boats that I've been on in the past have had those. Uh, they work great. And, you know, if you're going to do long term cruising where you're going to be in places where getting fresh water may not be that easy, it's probably a very reasonable investment. Uh, so, yeah, so that's a challenge. Now, getting the uh, used water off of the boat. The United States has all sorts of regulations about that. So there's two types of used water. <laughs> there's what's called gray water which is like what's in your sink and what you shower with. Uh, so it's soapy, yep, uh, but it's gray water. And that goes overboard. Any place in the United States, any, any place I've been to in the United States, you can dump that stuff overboard. Um, the other water, black water, as it's called, uh, which is your toilets, uh, that goes into a holding tank here in the United States. And I have a holding tank on the boat. 
50, 55 gallon holding tank, I think it is. Um, and that every, well, not every marina, I would say 90% of the marinas you go to uh, have pump out stations. So there's a, a connector on the outside of the boat. I can hook this hose up to it and turn on the pump and it sucks all that stuff out and it dumps it into their sewer system. In some states, now this is interesting, in some states that's free and it's legislated to be free. So, and if you have a marina uh, that is a certain size, you have to have a, a free pump out station. And that's great, right? Because it's free and many of them are self-serve 24 hours a day. You can go there anytime and you can pump out. Other places I've been to, they they regulate it as well. And I, and I think they regulate the cost. So it's like five bucks. So it's pretty nominal to get pumped out. But in the United States, that's very, very common everywhere I've been. Um, because you can't, legally, you cannot dump that into the water. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, well, a little thing that's confusing is sometimes on, on marine charts, which are the, you know, the, the roadmaps that we use uh, uh, for going around on the water, it'll say on there, no discharge zone. What that refers to is not your gray water, but bigger boats like big yachts and big ships, they often have uh, a, a mini sewage treatment plant on board where they, they treat that black water, the stuff from the toilets, and they clean it up. And it's not as clean as when it's treated, you know, by the town, uh, but they clean up. And when it says no discharge zone, that means you can't, big ships and big yachts can't dump that stuff overboard in those waters. So United States waters are pretty heavily protected. As we've learned from Mike, that's not true in other parts of the world. There's no regulations at all on both getting water, getting fuel, <laughs> and dumping stuff overboard. And, um, you know, a lot of boats here in the United States, like, for example, on my boat, I do have a method for dumping it overboard. So there's a valve that I can, I can open and turn on a pump, and it'll pump it overboard. However, uh, per Coast Guard regulations, I have to have a lock on that valve. So if I get inspected by the Coast Guard and that lock is not on there, I get a I get a summons. So it's pretty tightly regulated here, and uh, not so I've never even I don't even know if my valve works. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I think that's what Mike told us that he found out. Right, he he's never used it on Lake Champlain, and they okay they tried it once, and then when they got down there to actually have to use it for real. Ah, it didn't work and he had to get a pump and how do you get parts so yeah interesting interesting and again this is if you're going outside the u.s obviously this is an important part of the planning and if you plan on right on buying a boat right that you right. got to think about how you want to equip it and as mike talked about these 
impellers and all these different parts and that you need to have and also thinking about do i want to get a, a water a, a little desal desalinization unit you know all these things need to factor in so i guess that that kind of makes some sense when you're in the planning phase of a trip um to kind of keep all these things in mind that you know water is the most important thing that we need right to survive and it right. can right. save our lives and it can make us sick if we make a mistake you know so that's right that's right yeah, so you know, you, you don't learn about any of those things in your sailing classes. <laughs> right. Right. That's why it's a cool podcast, at least in my mind, you know. I yeah, that and that's stuff. why having guests like Mike are, are really great hmm. because he, he he shares that stuff with us. So it's much appreciated. Time cool. to wrap this well, one I'm up. Well, I'm looking forward to part 2. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds part 2. Good. Is next that'll be episode 82. We hope you join us for that. In the meantime, thanks again for joining us for yet another episode. And we hope you found this conversation or the first part of the conversation with Mike Malikoff interesting and thought-provoking as we did. And as always, if you have questions about what we discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Best way is by email, sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoy the podcast, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application. And if uh, you know someone or if you would like to be on the show, hey, reach out to us, drop us an email, and let us know. Uh, so make sure you listen to part two of my conversation with Mike Malkoff. And uh, so until next time, signing off from Chile, Rhode Island, not upstate New York, as I usually am, but Chile, Rhode Island. See you guys soon. Sounds great, Bela. And from over here in Minster, we'll send some nice, warm, sunny weather your way. And I hope you get out on the boat uh, this weekend. Talk to you soon, friend. <laughs>